if you've been journeying with us uh, over the past uh, two years now, we have uh, devoted our time to reading through the entire scripture. It is our endeavor to do this together, that we're going to read through the entire Bible together. And I've got all the regulars here who have done this along with me. Some of you have read through the entire New Testament with me, and now you're reading through uh, the entire Old Testament with me. And then we'll go back and read through the entire New Testament with me. And I'm sure many of you will say this and testify to this, that this has been a life-changing endeavor for you. Um, for many people, reading through the Bible is not a thing, right? You read here and there, you read a piece here, a piece there, a section here, a section there. But to say that you've read through the entire scripture, that right there is, um, I find that to be a rarity among believers. And yet this is one of the most powerful things you can do, because if you can read through the entire Bible, then you get a bigger, broader picture of who God is, his heart, what he does. And, and so I want to encourage you guys, even, even if you can't commit to this every day with us, that you're doing this on the regular, um, that you're doing this on the regular, or even stay on track with us on the Read and Rant podcast. All that is, let me tell you something. If there's anything you can do as it pertains to your faith, it's read through the Bible. Even if you don't understand everything you've read, the fact that you're exposing yourself through the totality of the scripture profoundly changes everything. It changes everything. And a lot of the misinterpretation, a lot of things that you've been told, a lot of things that um, may have thrown you off, it comes from the fact that many people aren't exposed through the whole scripture. They're just exposed through little bits and pieces of it. And so I'm glad that you're still here. Um, continue to do it, um, open mind. And that's why I read with you, because the Bible is not simply something to just understand intellectually, but the Bible is, is, is a door. It's an access to God and his heart towards his people, his mission, his plan, his heart. And so that's why we do this. And that's why we're all here. And I'm glad you guys are all here. I'm going to do one quick roll call before we get started. Quickly shout out where you're located right quick as we get settled in to read the book of Lamentations. We finished Jeremiah today. We're going to read Lamentations. But before we do that, quickly shout out where you're located. It's always exciting just to come together and just to see where everybody's at, to see what everybody's doing. We got Colorado in the house, Atlanta, Australia, ATL, Michigan, New York, New Jersey. I got a whole bunch of places to scratch off, Vanessa. Nashville, Central Florida, Durban, South America, South Africa. We got the Bronx. We got Iowa. We got, hold on, we got Tulsa, Texas. We got Lake Cumberland. Oh, my goodness. You make me want to go over there. South Central, Kentucky. Good to see you. Tulsa, Oklahoma, Pretoria, South Africa, Ohio, Maryland, Colorado Springs, Houston, Texas, New Jersey, Columbia, South Carolina. Man, I got a lot of people from South Carolina here today. So glad you guys are here. New Zealand, Illinois. Man, we got people from all over. Lake Vermilion, Chattanooga, Tennessee, Johannesburg, South Africa, Rhode Island, Oroville, California. We got Ghana in the house. We got South Africa, Johannesburg in the house, Rhode Island, Auckland, New Zealand. Guys, this is powerful to see so many people from different areas of the world coming together. We got the Philippines, South Carolina, Pretoria, South Africa in the house. That's my that's my TikTok fam there. Johannesburg again, Virginia, heaven. <laughs> my brother, Kissimmee, Florida, Uganda. Heaven on earth. Praise the Lord on that. Um, okay, that's my TikTok fam, my IG fam. Okay, let me see if I can quickly get through you guys. Because it's powerful just seeing who comes together, just seeing people from all over the world coming together to read the word. New Jersey, Iowa, Dallas, Germany, Toronto, Atlanta. We got Ohio, Oakville in the house, Philly in the house, Chicago, Atlanta. We got Nigeria. Shout out from Nigeria. Good to see you. We got Philadelphia, Texas. We got Pennsylvania, South Africa. We have Dayton, Ohio. We have Madison, Illinois, Houston, Texas in the house, San Francisco. Miami in the house, Trinidad and Tobago, Virginia, Manhattan, New York, good to see you, Bronx, New York, Toronto, Philly, Nigeria again, good to see you, Cleveland, um, Greensboro, Canada, Toronto, good to see you, Brooklyn, New York, good to see you, Indianapolis, Vancouver, good to see you. Okay, I would be remiss if I did not 
include my YouTube family because I got people on YouTube now who are connecting with us. I got Charlotte in the house. I got Connecticut. I got the Philippines in the house. Good to see you. Miami, Florida in the house. We got people from all over, guys, from different places of the world. And I think it's important for us to see that, that we're all coming together in different places of the world, in different time zones, um, all different corners of the world to come to spend together in the reading of the word. I got St. Petersburg. You're in my backyard. Good to see you. We got North Carolina, West Virginia, Louisiana. This is just quickly to shout out so that everybody can see. We're not you're not just reading the word alone, but you've got people from all different corners of the world coming together in simultaneity to read the word. And that's what we're going to do here. We're going to spend time in the word and it's going to be exciting for us because we're reading a new book today. We're reading through Lamentations as we have journeyed from Genesis all the way now to Lamentations. And if you missed any of them, please catch the Read and Rant podcast. This particular episode will be posted right away on Patreon. So if you want to support us, support us on Patreon as well. Patreon.com slash Isaac Frere. Patreon.com slash Isaac Frere. This will be my last week. Um, this may be the last book that we read before my sabbatical. Tomorrow I'll come on, maybe spend some time in prayer and spend some time uh, just committing to connecting with you all, maybe answering questions. Who knows? I haven't decided yet. We'll see how far we get through today, uh, but most likely we'll get through the entire book. And then we will ramp up into Ezekiel once I come back from my sabbatical. Either way, I will continue to be posting content on my Patreon. I'll be posting morning meditations. Um, and also I'll be texting out words of encouragement in the morning. So please text me as well. 954-231-1848. 954-231-1848. I've been thinking about some different things that I can do during my time of rest that won't take much, but I can just do it in my rest. And one of the things that I think I can do right now in my rest is even just share a word of prayer and just post the word of prayer. Um, either through text or through Patreon. And so those are two ways that you guys can remain connected with me during my time uh, of sabbatical, which will go for seven weeks. So during my seven weeks of sabbatical, you guys can stay connected with me. I'll say one more time. The number is 954-231-1848. (laughs) 1848. Good to see you, Nina. Cherie, good to see you. Those are my those are my Patreon fam. You know, I'll post it on Patreon as well. So that way you guys can connect. But I haven't even updated you guys because I'm finally getting settled. Um, but anyway, it's exciting uh, that we have gotten this far into the Old Testament. Um, we have we have read through a big chunk of the Old Testament, and now we're reading through the book of Lamentations. We just finished Jeremiah, and now we're reading the book of Lamentations today. And so I want you to prayerfully consider three questions as we read. God, what are you revealing concerning yourself? That's the first question. The second question that I want you to ask is, God, what are you revealing concerning people? What are you revealing concerning people? And then the third question that I want you to ask is, God, what are you revealing concerning me? What are you revealing concerning me? And we're just here to hear from God, not necessarily understand everything that we read, but to use this as a conduit, as a medium to hear from God, because the Lord speaks to us through the word and through our time in reading the word. So we pray that his spirit would inspire us as we spend time today in reading the word. Father, guide us today. Lead us, Lord. Allow not to be simply the facilities of our thought, our intelligence, our ability to discern or to decipher what it is that we're reading here. But Father, I ask that you would, Lord, inspire us today, Lord. Lord, show us your heart. Reveal your will. Lord, enable us. Lord, empower us. Strengthen us. Encourage us. Exhort us. Correct us. Whatever it is that's necessary today, Father, we pray that you would provide it to us today as we read your word. And we ask that in your name we pray. Amen. Let's get through, let's get through it, fam. <clears throat> let's do it. Limitations chapter one, it says this. How lonely sits the city that was full of people. How like a widow is she who is great among the nations. The princess among the provinces has become a slave. She weeps bitterly in the night. Her tears are on her cheeks. Among all her lovers, she has none to comfort her. All her friends have dealt treacherously with her. They have become her enemies. 
Judah has gone into captivity under affliction and hard servitude. She dwells among the nations. She finds no rest. All her persecutors overtake her in the dire straits. The roads to Zion mourn because no one comes to the set feasts. All her gates are desolate. Her priests sigh. Her virgins are afflicted and she is in bitterness. Her adversaries have become the master. Her enemies prosper. For the Lord has afflicted her because of the multitude of her transgressions. Her children have gone into captivity before the enemy. And from the daughter of Zion, all her splendor has departed. Her princes have become like deer that find no pasture, that flee without strength. Before the pursuer, in the days of her affliction roaming, Jerusalem remembers all her pleasant things that she had in the days of old. When her people fell into the hand of the enemy with no one to help her, the adversary saw her and mocked at her downfall. Jerusalem has sinned gravely. Therefore, she has become vile. All who honored her despise her because they have seen her nakedness. Sigh. She sighs. Yes, she sighs and turns away. Her uncleanness is in her skirts. She did not consider her destiny. Therefore, her collapse was awesome. She had no comforter. Oh, Lord, behold my affliction, for the enemy is exalted. Hmm. The adversary has spread her hand, spread, has spread his hand over all her pleasant things, for she has seen the nations enter her sanctuary, those whom you commanded not to enter your assembly. All her people sigh. They seek bread. They have given their valuables for food to restore life. See, O Lord, and consider, for I am scorned. Is it nothing to you, all you who pass by? Behold and see if there is any sorrow like my sorrow which has been brought on me, which the Lord has inflicted in the days of his fierce anger. From above, he has sent fire into my bones and it overpowered them. He has spread a net for my feet and turned me back. He has made me desolate and faint all the day. The yoke of my transgressions was bound. They were woven together by his hands and thrust upon his neck. He made my strength fail. The Lord delivered me into the hand of those whom I am not able to withstand. The Lord has trampled underfoot all my mighty men in my midst. He has called an assembly against me to crush my young men. The Lord trampled as in a winepress, the virgin daughter of Judah. For these things I weep. My eye, my eye overflows with water because the comforter who should restore my life is far from me. My children are desolate because the enemy prevailed. Zion spreads out her hands, but no one comforts her. Hmm. The Lord has commanded concerning Jacob that those around him become his adversaries. Jerusalem has become an unclean thing among them. The Lord is righteous, for I rebelled against his commandment. Hear now all peoples. And behold, my sorrow, my virgins and my young men have gone into captivity. I called for my lovers, but they deceived me. My priests and my elders breathed their last in the city while they sought food to restore their life. See, O Lord, that I am in distress. My soul is troubled. My heart is overturned within me, for I have been very rebellious. Outside, the sword bereaves. At home, it is like death. They have heard that I sigh, but no one comforts me. All my enemies have heard my trouble. They are glad that you have done it. Bring on the day you have <clears throat> announced that they may become like me. Let all their wickedness come before you and do to them as you have done to me. For all my transgressions, for my sighs, are many, and my heart is faint. How the Lord has covered the daughter of Zion with a cloud in his anger. He cast down from heaven to the earth the beauty of Israel and did not remember his footstool in the day of his anger. The Lord has swallowed up and has not pitied all the dwelling places of Jacob. He has thrown down in his wrath the strongholds of the daughter of Judah has brought them down to the ground. 
He has profaned the kingdom and its princes, and he has cut off in fierce anger. Every horn of Israel he has drawn back at his right hand. From before the enemy, he has blazed against Jacob like a flaming fire devouring all around. Standing like an enemy, he has bent his bow. With his right hand like an adversary, he has slain all who were pleasing to his eye. On the tent of the daughter of Zion, he has poured out his fury like fire. The Lord was like an, an enemy. He, he has swallowed up Israel. He has swallowed up all the palaces. He has destroyed her strongholds and has increased mourning and lamentation in the daughter of Judah. He has done violence to his tabernacle as if it were a garden. He has destroyed his place of assembly. The Lord has caused and appointed feasts and Sabbaths to be forgotten in Zion. In his burning indignation, he has spurned the king and the priests. The Lord has spurned his altar. He has abandoned his sanctuary. He has given up the walls of her palaces into the hand of the enemy. They have made a noise in the house of the Lord as on the day of a set feast. The Lord has purposed to destroy the wall of the daughter of Zion. He has stretched out a line. He has not withdrawn his hand from destroying. Therefore, he has caused the rampart and the wall to lament. They languished together. Her gates have sunk into the ground. He has destroyed and broken her bars. Her king and her princes are among the nations. The law is no more. And her prophets find no vision in the Lord. The elders of the daughters of Zion sit on the ground and keep silence. They throw dust on their heads and gird themselves with sackcloth. The virgins of Jerusalem bow their heads to the ground. My eyes fail with tears. My heart is troubled. My bile is poured on the ground because of the destruction of the daughter of my people. Because the children and the infants faint in the streets of the city. They say to their mothers, where is grain and wine? As they swoon like wounded, like the wounded in the streets of the city, as their life is poured out in their mother's bosom. How shall I console you? To what shall I liken you, O daughter of Jerusalem? What shall I compare with you that I may comfort you, O virgin daughter of Zion? For your ruin is spread wide as the sea. Who can heal you? Your prophets have seen you, false and deceptive visions. They have not uncovered your iniquity and bring back your captives and have envisioned for you false prophecies and delusions. All who pass by clap their hands at you. They hiss and shake their heads at the daughter of Zion. Is this city the city that is called the perfection of beauty, the joy of the whole earth? All your enemies have opened their mouths against you. They hiss and gnash their teeth. They say, we have swallowed her up. Surely this is the day we have waited for. We have found it. We have seen it. The Lord has done what he purposed. He has fulfilled his word, which he commanded in days of old. He has thrown down and has not pitied. He has caused an enemy to rejoice over you. He has exalted the horn of your adversaries. Their heart cry out to the Lord, O wall of the daughter of Zion. Let tears run down like a river day and night. Give yourself no relief. Give your eyes no rest. Arise, cry out in the night at the beginning of the watches. Pour out your heart like water before the face of the Lord. Lift your hands towards him for the life of your children who faint from hunger at the heart of every street. See, O Lord, and consider to whom you have done this. Should the woman eat their offspring, the children they have cuddled? Should the priest and the prophet be slain in the sanctuary of the Lord? Young and old lie on the ground and in the streets. My virgins and my young men have fallen by the sword. You have slain them in the day of your anger. You have slaughtered and not pitied. You've invited as to a feast day. The terrors that surround me in the day of the Lord's anger there was no refuge or survivor, those whom I have borne and brought up. My enemies have destroyed. I'll read one more chapter and then we'll go. 
Lamentations 3. I am the man who has seen affliction by the rod of his wrath. He has led me and made me walk in darkness and not in light. Surely he has turned his hand against me time and time again throughout the day. He has aged my flesh and my skin and broken my bones. He has besieged me and surrounded me with bitterness and woe. He has set me in dark places like the dead of long ago. He has hedged me in so that I cannot get out. He has made my chain heavy, even when I cry and shout. He shuts out my prayer. He has blocked my ways with hewn stone. He has made my path crooked. He has been to me a bear lying in wait, like a lion in ambush. He has turned aside my ways and torn, torn me in pieces. He has made me desolate. He has bent his bow and set me up as a target for the arrow. He has caused the arrows of his quiver to pierce my loins. He has become the ridicule of all my people, their taunting song all the day. He has filled me with bitterness. He has made me drink wormwood. He has also broken my teeth with gravel and covered me with ashes. He has moved my soul far from peace. I have forgotten prosperity. And I said, my strength and my hope have perished from the Lord. Remember my affliction and roaming, the wormwood and the gall. The soul still remembers and sinks within me. This I recall to my mind. Therefore, I have hope. Hmm. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should hope and wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man to bear the yoke in his youth. Let him sit alone and keep silent, because God has laid it on him. Let him put his mouth in the dust. There may yet be hope. Let him give his cheek to the one who strikes him, and be full of reproach, for the Lord will not cast off forever. Though he causes grief, yet he will show compassion. According to the multitude of his mercies. Hmm. For he does not afflict willingly, nor grieve the children of men. To crush under one's feet all the prisoners of the earth, to turn aside the justice due a man. Therefore, before the face of the Most High, or sorry, to turn aside the justice due a man before the face of the Most High, or subvert a man in his cause, the Lord does not approve. Who is he who speaks? And it comes to pass. When the Lord has not commanded it, is it not from the mouth of the Most High that woe and well-being proceed? Why should a living man complain, a man for the punishment of his sins? Let us search out and examine our ways and turn back to the Lord. Let us lift up our heads, sorry, hearts and hands to the God of heaven. We have transgressed and rebelled. You have not pardoned. You have covered yourself with anger and pursued us. You have slain and not pitied. You have covered yourself with a cloud. That prayer should not pass through. You have made us an offscouring and, re and refuse in the midst of the people. All our enemies have opened their mouths against us. Fear and snare have come upon us. Desolation and destruction. My eyes overflow with rivers of water for the destruction of the daughter of my people. My eyes flow and do not cease without interruption till the Lord from heaven looks down and sees. My eyes bring suffering to my soul because of all the daughters of my city. My enemies without cause hunted me like a bird. They silenced my life in the pit. They threw stones at me. The waters flowed over my head and said, I am cut off. I called on your name, O Lord, from the lowest pit. You have heard my voice. Do not hide your ear 
from my sighing, from my cry for help. Hmm. You drew near the day I called on you and said, do not fear. Oh, Lord, I have pleaded the case for my soul. Hmm. You have redeemed my life. Oh, Lord, you have seen how I am wronged. Judge my case. You have seen all their vengeance and all their schemes against me. You have heard the reproach, O Lord. All, sorry, you have heard the reproach, O Lord, all their schemes against me, the lips of my enemies, and their whispering against me all the day. Look at their sitting down and their rising up. I am their taunting song. Repay them, O Lord, according to the work of their hands. Give them a veiled heart. Your curse be upon them. In your anger, Pursue and destroy them from the heavens, from under the heavens of the Lord. The word of God. I have a few thoughts, and I know this um, it's, it's, it's called the Book of Lamentations. So you would argue that this is not a happy book. It's a book of lamenting. People lamenting the chosen people of God, the children of Israel, lamenting. Um, there's so much to unpack from that because, and, and there's so much that we can learn from the book itself, um, so much that we can discern from it. And I'm not here to discern every part of the book, but I'm here to share a few thoughts with you. And I hope that this would be um, a word of encouragement for you guys. It's a good book. It's a good book. And I'm going to explain to you why. A lot of us, a whole bunch of us, if we can just be honest, we can find ourselves in certain predicaments. There are a lot of us right now who find ourselves in situations, in environments, in predicaments, that if we can just be honest with ourselves, we put ourselves in it. Like, it's because of us. Like, it's because of our mistakes. I know I found myself in predicaments where I look back and I go, yeah, I put myself in that. That was me. I did that. And even in the midst of that, even, even when we know we, we, we can own it and say, hey, this was all me. I put myself in that there's still a comfort that we can have that we can still go to God with it and say, God, please help me get out of the situation that I'm in. This is the grace of God that we can still, even when it was our fault that we got into the situation that we can say, God, help me get out. Even though I know I got myself in. That's the comfort we can have. And that's the comfort that I find even in the midst of this. Because even if you got yourself in the situation, like there's a lot of things that we get ourselves into, a lot of mistakes that we made. There's not a single perfect person here, not a single per perfect person that's watching this right now. And yet, even though not a single one of us is perfect and we've all made mistakes and we know those mistakes have consequences. And we know that these situations, these predicaments that we find ourselves in, a lot of it is we put ourselves in it. And yet, even then, we can have comfort in going to our Heavenly Father and saying to Him, not only am I sorry for what I did, but Lord, help me get out of what I'm in. This is the grace of God and the justice of God. God's going to set you right and correct you. But even in your midst and even in the midst of your pain, even in the midst of the suffering, even in the difficulty, God still gives us access to him to express how we feel. You know, one of the things I love about uh, the, the, the poems of lament, if you've noticed now, Lamentations is a poetic book. It's more poetic than it is prophetic, but it is poetic prophecy. But Lamentations almost feels like it should fit somewhere around where the book of Psalms is. The book of Lamentations looks more like where you would, you know, maybe maybe after Psalms or maybe before Psalms. It feels like it should go there. And 
it should be reminiscent of the Psalms that we've read. Because there's Psalms that we read, Psalms of Lament or Songs of Lament. And when, and I spoke about this before, that the beauty of the book of Psalms is not only is it prophetic, not only is it soteriological, not only does it have all the things that really the book of Psalms is heavy. It's, it's the, you know, it's obviously the largest book, but it's a heavy book in that it ties everything together. And while the book of Psalms can be all of those things, the one thing that Psalms does is, is it teaches us that theology, that theological expression can also be emotional. That God still loves us and he wants us to express how we feel, regardless of whether we feel right or wrong about it. I think sometimes we feel like we can't express to God unless we have it together. Like, I have no right to speak to God or to express my emotion to God or to express how I feel to God, because at the end of the day, I got myself there. Can I say that one more time? There are folks who will say, you know what? I'm down and out, but I got myself in it. And I almost feel like I can't express myself to God. I can't express how I really feel. Because again, part of the reason why I feel the way I feel is because I put myself in it. And yet what the book of Lamentations teaches us is that God is saying, still come to me with how you feel, even if my wrath is being satisfied in the midst of the mistakes and the errors that you have made. That's the thing about the justice of God. God's going to set you right. He's going to set you in order. But even while you're doing it, and even in the pain and the suffering that you're feeling in the midst of that, He's still giving you full permission to come before him to express exactly how you feel. That's the beauty of a loving father. And that's who God is. I think so many of us, we can't come to God. We feel like we can't come to God because I got myself in this. Like I I got myself in this predicament. I got myself in this situation. I put myself in this. So who am I now to go to God about how I feel and about my discomfort about how I feel and about how that's not what the book shows us here. What limitation shows us is that even when we aren't doing the right thing, even when we find ourselves in these precarious situations, that we can still go to him and express exactly how we feel. I don't like it, even though I know it's on me. I don't like it, even though I know I put myself in this. I don't like it, but man, I'm feeling a certain way. And yet this is the comfort. This is the safety that we have to come before God with it. It's a poetic book. If you notice, I don't know if anybody had noticed this in as we were reading through Lamentations, Lamentations 1 and 2, what you'll notice in Lamentations 1 and 2 is you'll notice that there are 22 verses um, in, in Lamentations 1 and Lamentations 2. And again, it's because it's called, uh, it, it, these are alphabetic poems. It's, it's a poetic form of the, he, it's a poetic Hebraic form. Um, and so it's an alphabet poem. It's, 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 it represents each letter in the alphabet from one and two. And then if you notice in chapter three, a little Bible study for y'all, but if you notice in chapter three um, that there are 66 verses, because again, it's in alphabetic form where three, every three verses now represents a letter um, in the alphabet. And it's very similar to what we read. Like for example, the alphabetical Psalm of um, Psalm 119, we've read that before. And so it's kind of something to notice here that this is actually a poetic structure. Okay, this tells you, as a matter of fact, the structure of the book tells you what kind of book it is and the whole purpose of the book. Poetry. Poetry is meant and intended to express the emotion. Poetry is meant to express the emotion. It is an aesthetic expression of words. So when we read through the Psalms, we read the heart theology. And we're reading the Lamentations now, we're reading a heart theology. Now, we can't affirm or 
prove that Jeremiah wrote this, but everything points to the fact that Jeremiah wrote this. The timing of this book when it was written, um, the tone and timbre of the way that it was written, the poems that we see here. We look at some of the poems that we just read in Jeremiah. There are a lot of similarities in the diction and the structure and the form. And so many theologians believe that is Jeremiah that wrote this book. And that's why Jeremiah got the name, the weeping prophet. Um, that's why he received the moniker of the weeping prophet, because Jeremiah prophesied all of this that was to come. And now it has transpired. And so he's weeping this. He's mourning this. Israel has fallen off. And now Israel has fallen into the worst of situations. The great gift and the blessing that they got from God. Jerusalem. The land of Israel. Canaan now. This nation that they're that they've been given, this land that they've been given now has been taken away from them. And now he comes before God weeping, weeping bitterly before God. And he's expressing this in poetic form. And now they've lost their land. They've lost their territory. They've lost what was most important to them, what was dear to them. And now the children of Israel find themselves in captivity under Babylonian rule, under Babylonian captivity. And so, of course, the consequence of that is now they find themselves in a situation where we're down and out. We got nothing. We've lost everything. And we've lost everything because, again, as the prophet Jeremiah had said, this was due to the justice of God, the wrath of God. It was the wrath of God that instituted this. There, on one side of the spectrum, you would say, man, God, why, why don't you give him a chance? God, give him one more chance. God, why not one more chance? Why, why, why not, you know, I mean, this was... We all make mistakes, God. Can you, can you just cut them a break on this one? And I think sometimes we, we, we think this way when we read some of these texts, not realizing how myopic our view of God's justice and righteousness is, that it's bigger than us. Like his justice in our lives personally is bigger than just us. There's a corporate implication. There are eternal implications to the righteousness and the justice of God. We've been talking about the righteousness of God and the justice of God, the righteousness, both of which pertain to the same word, this, 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 this Jehovah, who is a Jehovah of righteousness, this Kenu, this Jehovah that, that's, that, that seeks to establish order, to establish flourishing, all of this. Is part of God's character and the work that God was doing to bring restoration to humanity. This was bigger than just Israel. This was the role that Israel played in God establishing his justice since he's doing it through his people. And he chose these people to do it. And these people fell off. And so they're experiencing now the wrath of God because of their unfaithfulness. This is what happens when the faithfulness of God collides with the unfaithfulness of humanity. When humanity is unfaithful, when Israel was unfaithful, they faced the wrath of God. The wrath of God is not the anger of God, as we sometimes like to think of just the anger of God, that God is angry with us. The wrath of God is the justice of God, the righteousness of God. God cannot continue to be God if he permits the people who represent him to not reflect him in the way that they ought to, to reflect him. God cannot be a righteous God if he allows unrighteousness to persevere and prevail. God cannot be God if there's still injustice. And so God has to bring correction it's like the balance of the force. He has to bring correction to all of that. And I love the perspective that, that the, the prophet has here as he's 
providing these songs, these poems, these, these, these songs of, of, of lament is he's reminding Israel that this pain that they're feeling actually points to the righteousness of God. That, that this, this suffering that they're feeling is actually pointing to the fact that God is righteous. Because if God wasn't righteous, we wouldn't feel what we're feeling right now. There wouldn't be realignment. There wouldn't be correction. There wouldn't be reordering because I'm just doing me. And if I can just do me, then God ceases to be God. And so this is what it looks like to submit to God. Because in the midst of all of that, what Israel's pointing to is our suffering actually points to the righteousness of God. Our suffering now personifies the righteousness of God. This is, remember, we were talking about this yesterday. This is God, not yesterday, but a few, few days ago, that this is, and when we we're reading through Jeremiah, this is God reorienting. This is God reorganizing. This is God redirecting things to reflect his righteousness. And so this is how we can see the faithfulness of God in the midst of the suffering, because if our unfaithfulness causes pain, it brings consistency and continuity to the fact that God still remains faithful. There's suffering in this world. There's pain in this world. There's brokenness in this world. It's not God's fault. Did you hear me? If you see suffering in the world, it's not because of God. It's not God's fault we see pain and brokenness. It's not God's fault that we see disease. It's not God's fault that we see all this evil in this world. It's not God's fault. It's ours. We did this. We caused this. Because of us. We got to own this one. We, we often like to blame God for all the bad things that are happening in the world, not realizing that if anything is happening in the world, it's a consequence to our decisions, humanity's decisions. We have to own that, that there's an order to things. And so if we're going to see restoration, we need to see God restore people, not just God correcting our pain. I think we want God to correct our pain, but not to correct our hearts. We want God to correct everything around us and make us comfortable. But we don't want God to correct us. No, I want to be able to live the way I want to live and do what I want to do. Just make the pain go away. Hmm. But even in the midst of his pain and anguish, somehow this prophet has hope. How can I have hope in the midst of all this pain? Where am I going to find hope in the midst of this? This this don't feel good. It's easy. It's easy to feel hopeless when you're going through pain. It's easy to feel like This is never going to end. It's easy to feel like there is no God. Because if I'm going through pain, how could God be here and let me go through what I'm going through? What if I told you that even in the midst of your pain, there's hope? And what if I told you that your pain actually points to a God who is faithful? Because often our pain comes from our collective unfaithfulness. And it's the faithfulness of God that allows us to experience pain that now reorients us and directs us to who God is and his righteousness and his judgment. What if our pain is just pointing to God, not suggesting to you that God isn't there? Are y'all with me? We have a very famous verse 
And Liba love to read this verse. It's a very, very popular verse. I love the verse as well, so I'm not going to say I don't. It says, through, through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Read that again. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. You know, they weren't saying that when things were going well. They were saying that when life was upside down, when they're going through the worst of the worst, when Israel has lost everything, yet even though they lost everything, they knew that the Lord's mercies were not consumed. Why? If I'm still here, even in the midst of all of it, it's because of the mercy and the grace of God. If I haven't lost my mind in the midst of it, it's because of the grace of God. If I'm still here, it's because God still has a plan for my life. And I came to tell some people today that God still has a plan for you. If you're still here, even in the midst of your pain, it's because God's not done. He still has a plan for your life. Even if you are going through it and you're down and out, you are not dead. You're still here because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The pain that they're feeling and they're experiencing is pointing to the faithfulness of God. If God can be faithful, that my unfaithfulness causes pain, then God can be faithful in his promise that evil will not prevail. This is what Jeremiah is pointing to. This is why Jeremiah has hope, because God has not changed. We're the ones who keep changing. God has not, um, he hasn't changed. He's the alpha, he's the omega, he's the beginning, he's the end. God has not changed. We're the ones who do. God remains faithful. We're the ones who aren't. So when our unfaithfulness leads us to pain, we can find confidence in that, that his faithfulness will give us victory over evil. This is the confidence we have today, family, that his mercies are new. His mercies are new every morning. I may be going this for somebody who's going through it right now. His mercies are new. You, you may be feeling it right now. His mercies are new. You might have lost your home. You might have lost your car. You might have lost your spouse. You might have lost your family. You might have lost your job. And maybe it's your fault. Maybe it's not your fault, but you lost it. And you're wondering what's next. His mercies are new every morning. He is still faithful even when we are not. And if we can own our unfaithfulness and own the pain of the moment, we can trust that God is going to get us out because he's not going to leave us there. He never leaves us, nor does he forsake us. God is faithful. So be confident today, fam. Be confident that you might have got yourself into some mess. But God's going to get you out. But on the way, it's going to hurt. On the way, it's going to come with some pain. On the way, it's going to come with some tears. But God's going to get you out. You're not staying here, but you're going to get out. Trust in the faithfulness of God, the righteousness of God, the justice of God. God ain't done with you yet. You might be down, but you're not out. His mercies are new every day. Father, we thank you today as we read this, Lord, even as the prophet laments the pain of Jerusalem, the loss of Jerusalem, the loss that's being experienced by the children of Israel, 
that he can recall in his mind in verse 21. And because he can recall in his mind of your faithfulness, he still has hope. Today, remind us, Lord, that you are faithful even in the midst of the pain. You are faithful even in the midst of the trials. Your faithfulness is great and your mercies are new every morning. So bless us today, Lord, as we navigate through this day. Lord, teach us, Lord, to trust in your faithfulness even in the midst of our pain. Teach us to find hope in our suffering. And we say that in Jesus' name. Amen. Love y'all. God bless you guys. His faithfulness is great. We'll continue in uh, chapter four and five, and then we'll be done with the book of Lamentations tomorrow. Um, so before my sabbatical, I want to remind you guys, please text me 954-231-1848, 954-231-1848. Wow, almost 20,000 likes. Awesome. Click the star next to my name. Subscribe, help support what we do here. It is actually your support that makes it possible for me to do this every morning. I know I'll be on sabbatical. It's going to be a time of rest and reflection. It's going to be a time of recreation and strategy. I'm looking forward to getting out of sabbatical because I have some exciting stuff coming up. And um, yeah, I just, I'm so glad you guys can be a part of that. So please text me so we can stay connected. 954 231 1848. You got it, Sheree. Awesome. 231 1848. Also, um, if you want to become a patron, if you want to support, um, $10 a month doesn't seem like a big deal, but it is a big deal. It's what opens doors for us to do these things and to some of the stuff that we're going to be doing very, very soon. I just don't want to announce any of it yet, but it makes all those things possible. So please support um, patreon.com slash Isaac Frere. Patreon.com slash and also click the link in the bio, click the link in the profile. It'll take you right there. There are different ways you can support. And also, if you can't support, just subscribe. Subscribe to the podcast. Download the podcast. It's free. Okay. I know the bonus for you guys is that I post this right away. I'm going to post this right away on um on Patreon. But this still it becomes available for everyone. And our patrons are very generous. That's what I love about my patrons. I'm like, hey, is it okay if I share this or if I post it? Like, share all of it. I have a patron right now who is actually creating artwork for the Bible studies that we've been doing on Patreon. And it's pretty cool stuff. 